Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the B-Roll Podcast. We are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And my name is Anthony. On this podcast, what we do is we uh, watch, break down, review, and ultimately decide if we like a movie that just happens to be sci-fi, sci-fi adjacent, fantasy, supernatural. We did a TV show last week, so who knows what we're going to do next. We're crazy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So the movie we watched this week, it's our first new movie. I yeah. think this is the first thing that we watched that came out in 2020. Uh, No, no, no. 3022 really? came out in 2020. Came out this year. Oh, <laughs> no one noticed. No one, yeah. <laughs> Fair no enough. One, no one noticed it. No, 2019, that's what it says on the... Oh, really? Oh, well, it the, probably came to stream in 2020. November 22nd. Uh, yeah, so that's almost, right. That's right. It had its, its limited indie theater thing going on so we watched what so we watched artemis fowl our first disney plus movie not exactly independent like a lot of our other films but definitely straight to stream maybe mm-hmm. maybe not originally <laughs> designed for that but yeah. we'll take advantage it's a movie based on a, a young adult novel or series of novels started in 2001 so it's a little not older but it's been around for a little bit mm-hmm. and it's not getting a lot of uh, people aren't liking it, so we it's we decided to watch it and <laughs> judge either it and or all the people who hate it. Either yeah. way is fine with me because I'm here to judge. Just because a movie doesn't have 10, 10 out of ten, ninety percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever percent on Metacritic, that doesn't mean that it's not a good movie. However, there are occasions which the internet gets it right. So this movie, Artemis Fell, with a budget of $125 million. Oh, wow. Really? Well, actually, I can see that. I can see that. Directed by Kenneth Branagh. Do you know who Kenneth Branagh is? No. I don't, the only directors I know are uh, Steven Spielberg and John Suits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Johnny S. Anyways. Uh, that's Mr. So, Suits to you. Sir Kenneth Charles Bronick oh, really? Is a North Northern Irish actor, director, film producer, and screenwriter. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read you his stuff off the old Wikipedia. He was in Wild Wild West, The Road oh. to El Dorado. Yeah. If you ever watched Much Ado About Nothing, the 1993 classic, Dunkirk, Tenet. He directed Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Jack Ryan with um Chris Pine. He's he also did Thor. Yeah. This guy's he, prolific. He compared this movie to Thor a little bit in the storytelling and some interviews. I like Kenneth. I mean, with the exception of his, he, he was the spider person in Wild Wild West. The guy in the wheelchair. Mm, yeah. You I, I blacked out that movie. I have seen it. But That's fair. That's fair. I got done with it and just rewatched Men in Black to regain my love for <laughs> Will Smith. He's done a lot of stuff and yeah. he's been nominated for a lot of stuff. Really? Okay. Great actor. Great director. This movie, though, uh... <laughs> well, and the thing is, I could, I would say that this movie has good direction. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault the direction, the the film direction, and all that at all. The problem is, is when you bring on a guy like Sir Kenneth Branagh, and I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that name. Probably, he's a heavyweight. You know what I mean? Sure. Let's just go ahead and get it out in the open. This movie. Has a 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 4 out of 10 on IMDb. 
31% on Metacritic. The blurb is Artemis Fowl is a 12-year-old genius and descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds. He soon finds himself in an epic battle against a race of powerful underground fairies who may be behind his father's disappearance. Where is that blurb? I'm just looking on Google. Okay. On, like, I just Googled Artemis Fowl, and I'm looking on the right side of the screen. Okay. IMDb, like the Hit first me. blurb, it says, Artemis Fowl, a young criminal prodigy, hunts down a secret society of fairies to find his missing father. Okay. Yeah, a little different. I just think Ken should have, I think he should have passed on this one. That's all. And maybe because he's, because this, this movie is drenched in Ireland. It's yeah. filmed in Ireland, I think almost entirely, with the exception of the CGI stuff and maybe some of the interior sets. It's about Irish legends, Irish folk tales. They say the Irish blessing like 10 times in this movie. It's just blatantly Irish, and that would make sense why Kenneth would want to do this. But, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to take the wind out of his sails and ruin his no. career. Oh, no. Uh, you know, yeah. he's no M. Night Shyamalan. Who? But, yeah, exactly. But I just... I, this is not a good movie. And we're just, I had a lot of problems with this movie. Did, mm. What were your problems with this movie? Uh, well, before we start criticizing everything, constructive or otherwise, I think we should also put out there, I've never read any of these books. Oh, yes. I didn't, I didn't even know it was a book series. Exactly. No clue. Yeah. So we so. are strictly basing our opinions on this story from the perspective of the media that we have chosen. Correct. Film. There are, if you Google it, or uh, if you're a sadist, if you bing it, you will <laughs> find dozens of articles that'll tell you what this movie got wrong when compared to the source material. And so that won't be what this is. It looks like they Percy Jackson Jackson the heck out of it. <laughs> Just combined elements, made stuff up. Uh, it's like ugh, it's all over the place if you uh, if you do a little bit of light reading. Um, so, but just basing it just off the movie itself for a movie with quite beautiful visuals just very well done cgi well well shot i think i've already kind of mentioned that there is so much just verbal exposition and i'm not talking about the narration narration a little bit of narration is fine or what have you but it's it they just continuously tell you a thing and then they have a flashy action scene that could have told us something but actually didn't it's just there it's there's there's no substance all flash Okay. Not to mention that the, the, the titular character, Artemis Fowl, or I guess Artemis Fowl II or Junior or what have you, is your typical can-do-nothing-wrong, infallible, 12-year-old, annoying child. <laughs> we see this a lot, right? With with Especially in... I'm going to call this a Disney... I'm going to compare this to Disney Channel movies. Because okay. I, I watched Disney Channel movies growing up. I'm the oldest, so we've said it before, I'm the oldest of more than a few siblings. And so we watched a lot of Disney Channel because it was safe for all ages. Ugh. <laughs> Nothing against it. It was whatever. And this this is what this feels like. This, is, this feels like a slightly increased budget Disney Channel movie. With the exception that in a Disney Channel movie, uh, our protagonist, whatever pre-teen to late teen person that we're following is fallible they make mistakes or they learn something along the way they overcome some sort of obstacle that relates to a life lesson and all of that is missing from here there's nothing there's no substance whatsoever it was it was flashy if you are 12 you'll probably you know i don't even know i don't want to put down 12 year olds 
but it was obviously marketed towards children, not people who enjoyed the book, not people with any ability to think. And it's a dazzling feature and you'll never watch it again. (laughs) There are plenty of other uh, special effects, heavy, visually impressive films that also have all of those other things. So, um, there you go. You asked me a three word question or seven word question. <laughs> That's the uh, podcast. This has been beat now. So. <laughs> I just wrap it up, boys. <laughs> we did just, it. We, we solved it. Reddit. Let's go. Um, uh, no. So before I, I, I don't even want to necessarily say I'm going to tear into this movie because again, we're not art critics. We're not film critics. We watched a movie and we're going to tell jokes about it, but that doesn't well, mean we can't we, we can't talk about what we did or did not like, right? First, let's get a little bit of history. In 2001, plans were announced for a film adaptation of the series. So these books, from what I can understand, were released. The first one was in 2001. So apparently it was popular enough from the yeah. beginning for a film ad- adaptation to happen. Well, what year did Harry Potter come out? first one well i was going to talk about it. you can go ahead and look that up but we'll talk about harry potter in a second and essentially this movie is was in development hell for 10 years and so i can't think of anything that has been in development hell for 10 years that ever actually works out i've been disappointed so many times i mean we could we don't have to even discuss duke nukem forever for whatever that's worth but when well, you take so long to do something, sometimes it's best just to start from scratch. Just eliminate whatever you've done, wipe the slate clean, and just start over. From what I understand, there's a screenplay that was finalized in 2003, and I guess was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. <laughs> Who knows how many times? And I mean, we should just go ahead and talk about Harry Potter. When did Harry? When was the first Harry Potter book released? Did you actually look it up? The book was released in '97. Okay. The movie re- was released in 2001. Yeah. The idea of when a film series being announced, as opposed to when a film is started. So sure. any momentum that might have been gained, you know what I mean? Like we just we've lost over 19 years. Mm-hmm. But apparently, this was popular enough for a lot of people to be hyped for it. I think what what really kills this movie is the acting is just bad. I think everyone in this movie is just bad. I wrote down lackluster and overly dramatic. Yeah. Judy Dench. Like there's a joke about how she and Josh Gad's characters have gravelly voices. Mm -hmm. He says out loud something about their, how they growl. And then she just goes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Our main character, unfortunately, uh, for, for Dia Shaw may go on to do great things. Yeah. He may be, I mean, he may already be a great actor. I don't know. He's not good in this. And that may just be because of the script and because of the way it was shot. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but there's scenes where. Yeah. Well, this is, his, this is his first and only film credit. Okay. Fair enough. Actor, but, so. but like I said, he may go on to bigger yeah. and better things. But sure. when you were right, you nailed it on the head. There's just exposition for the sake of exposition. That does not a good movie make. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's also, when he's reading his lines, it's like no urgency. There's no inflection. It's like he's reading the menu like at a diner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, so. <laughs> overly dramatic <laughs> diner menu reading. Yeah. So yeah. again, we're not trying to 
hate on Mr. Shaw. He's 12 years old. He gets all the passes in the world until he's like, until he maybe until goes he's to 14. acting school. No, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get another credit, bro, and then that's it. You're done. You're done. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like a lot of what I would say is is not great acting. I would blame it not necessarily on the actors themselves and more on the environment or the script and what and yeah. whatever it is that they edited together. Yeah. I don't think any of these people are bad actors. Well, I mean, maybe some of them could be bad, but I think in this movie, sure. The acting is just bad because the script is bad, the plot is bad. Um yeah. The editing is bad. Did you happen to look up the plot for the the book? No. Okay. I will tell you what it is at the end. Okay. Do you want to talk to any, uh, or not talk to, <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> do you sure. want to talk about any of these actors? Anyone in particular? Can we talk about Josh Gad just for a moment? It's a brief, brief yeah, I moment. Guess, man. I guess. Go ahead. So I didn't know it was him the whole time, <laughs> which is, I guess, g- good. <laughs> I didn't mean it as a joke. I mean, you know, it's good. Like engrossed in his character. He at the, the he has our first. Does he have our first spoken words? Well, I guess we hear like news broadcasts and whatnot. Yeah, uh, at the beginning, and then he's being interrogated in some. What is it? Is MI six investigating museum theft? Is that what's happening? Ugh. All right. You know what? Whatever. I'm starting with the plot, so we'll just roll with it. <laughs> He starts being interrogated and asks, you know, where is Artemis Fowl and blah, 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 senior. They're referring to our main character's father. And he's just like, oh, no, no, no. But really? And blah, blah, blah. But did you? But truly, you think yada, yada, yada. It sounds like somebody who's who has never played Dungeons and Dragons before, but is giving it their 100%. 100%. And it's just overly <laughs> dramatic, just grating. Like, if the entire movie had been that way, I don't know if I would have made it. And I... I've watched some bad movies. You've, I mean, you've heard me talk about some bad movies. He, I feel like he has way, 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 way too much screen time. You think? And, well, and, yeah. and not even, not even necessarily screen time as much as voiceover work. Yeah, and that part definitely feels like he because he narrates between all the big events. Yeah, and it definitely feels like they added that in later. They obviously did some edits. You do doing some light reading. There's characters that were completely cut or moved around or what have you. And I think they added his voiceover in to bring it, kind of give it an arch that just wasn't there before. I guess I was just disappointed in him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was disappointed by his, I, I, frankly, racist representation of dwarves in this <laughs> Well, look, here's the thing. Shut up. All right. Let's, uh, look, let's get as an plot. honorary member... Of the dwarven race. No. This was insulting. No, this is... There are no such thing as dwarves, my friend. Look, my my level 120 <laughs> World of Warcraft dwarf hunter would disagree with you. If he could have conscious thoughts, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> Lucky for all of us, the video games have not come to life. Sure, well... No, it is a very interesting... It is... I mean, we should that? talk about the world building maybe later when we, we get through it, but it is an interesting... Interesting depiction of certain things. So let's go to start going to the plot. You don't I kind of just. Colin, you don't talk about Colin Farrell. I mean, he was just there for eye candy, was he not? Uh, he's in hardly anything. He reads some books. He stands around and gets tortured, and then he stands around at the end. How much money do you think kid. he got paid? Ooh, I, a million a day for three days. I don't know. Does he, I have no idea he, how much they get paid. I like to you, not think about it. 
Do you think he has more or less screen time than Kevin Sorbo? And oh, more. Mythica? He has more more screen time than Kevin Sorbo. Significantly more. Well, are we talking percentage wise or number of minutes? Percentage wise. Oh yes, yeah, significantly. At least two hundred percent more. <laughs> was was he the Gandalf of this movie? Well, and you hear his voice. I guess I'm going to count that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say he has a solid six minutes. A lot of, of screen a lot time. of voiceovers in this movie. Yeah, let's um. Let's jump to the plot. I've already kind of kicked us off a little bit. We're in the weeds. Take it. Uh, So our opening sequence is essentially uh, a media frenzy. It's a scrum. A bunch of reporters, camera crews, vehicles. You hear a bunch of people talking about the fouls, deaths, crime. And then I I, I don't know. Is this a Rolls Royce or a... I don't even know what kind of vehicle this is. A Bentley. Some fancy car pulls up, gets on the other side of the gate. And then our scene immediately changes to like a news feed of a very ragged, hairy man being thrown into the back of a police car, or I think it's a police van. In, in England, they drive around Ford transit vans. Right. In minis, or not minis, but um, like little Vauxhall hatchbacks. Pretty interesting. You said in England, they're, they're in Ireland. Yeah, no, they're right. Yeah, I'm wrong. Sorry. I don't know if I'm right either. I just know that you're wrong, <laughs> and I might not be. that's as far uh, as i know in the ancient land of albion how about that (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so we talked about it a little bit where this character mulch diggins diggins sorry mulch diggins played by josh gann is being interrogated in a facility in the middle of i guess the english channel like halfway between England and France, or maybe between Ireland and England. I don't. I don't know. It said it at the bottom, and I didn't bother looking it up. Typical American. Well, no, I like. I saw the name, <laughs> and I just didn't bother typing it into my notes to look up for later because it's not important. No, it's not. They're like, "What were you doing?" He's like, "Oh, you know, I was just out and about. I was going on a walk." And they're like, "No, you're part of this. We're gonna make you the patsy. We're gonna flip you. Blah blah blah." And he's like, "Well, how about I give you the aculos?" A-C-U-L-O-S. And he calls it a very powerful weapon. And they're like, well, we noticed a lot of seismic activity. And he's like, yo, don't underestimate this kid, Artemis Fowl. You know, he's the real, he's the brains behind this operation. He's the mastermind. And then we cut over to Ireland and we get our main character, Artemis Fowl Jr. He's surfing, running around. This is the part where we're talking about a lot of voiceover work by old Mr. Josh Gad. Talks about how he's super smart. He's done a whole bunch of cool stuff. He cloned a goat, named him Bruce. You oh, know. yeah, the the bit where he's Kid sitting genius. in the classroom raising his hand at every question, and he's sitting yeah. in front of the projector but not casting a shadow on the projector right. screen. All right, cool. Right, right. We get a shot of him, I guess, meeting with some kind of counselor, and he looks down at the chair, and then the guy's like, oh, you like my chair? Yeah, I got it. My ancestors got it from Soothbees. I don't know what that is, but... It, the name looked cool, so I typed it down. He says, it used to be the Queen's favorite chair. It was in Buckingham Palace for a little while. We find out that this is actually, a, I guess, a counseling session where he's, you know, you're very smart, but you don't treat anyone as an equal. And he doesn't really say anything. At the, I actually anticipated him saying, well, I have no equals, but he didn't. He just kind of smirks. And then the guidance counselor brings up his mom and his dad. He starts getting upset. He starts to lash out, and he's like, well, you know, at least I'm not sitting in a counterfeit chair. And then the guy actually says, like, well, you know, you're just lashing out right now. You know, you're angry. 
And then he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. It's not prison. Have you ever been in a therapy session? Sure, yeah. Did you ever get so mad that you just left? No. I don't think this kid understands the purpose of no. therapy, but I mean, but whatever. I was a kid. I went to I went to some therapy and or counseling, I should say. My parents were there or parent. Mm. So I don't think I could have just up and left Fair if I wanted, but I was I was way younger than he was, so. Well, I mean, he he does like shout after him like who do you think, think like, you are? Yeah. Who do you think you are? You know, I'm the headmaster or whatever. What rich spoiled kid is going to counseling and not having the counselor come to him? But maybe that's just me with my American I mean, he goes, views. He goes to a private school. Sure. You know. Oh, is, you think this was at the school? Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, there's because okay. there's other students. Well, like, there's other in people the, in the the waiting the office. room or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got the impression it was like a an actual. Oh no! I figured he just in between classes or whatever. He, Gotcha. Teacher's aide walks into the room, hands the teacher a note, and the, the teacher's like, Artemis Fowl, Junior. And she's like, the headmaster is, wants to meet with you. What teacher is... Okay, carry on. I mean, no, I'm saying like that probably is what happened. We just didn't see it. Now he's riding around on some one-wheeled skateboard. I don't even want to call it a skateboard, but yeah, I don't even understand like, how it's... Is a unicycle, like a motorized unicycle, maybe? What was it? But I don't he, know. But he's riding it sideways. What? I don't know. All right. Yeah. It looks like a skateboard with one wheel. Look, it's just like the surfing scene. It does nothing. It does nothing to add to the plot except for to make him seem cool and relatable. Yeah, he looks rad. It looks like he could have been one of the the BK kids (laughs) from the eighty from the nineties. Thanks, Dad. So he gets home. His dad is Colin Farrell. Apparently, his dad has spent years teaching him about magic. They talk about elves, fairies. Josh Gad is talking again. He. Uh, his father taught him everything that he needed to know about all these stuff. He talks about a war between humanity and the Tuath Duana. I think I said that right. Did you recognize that name at all? No. Do you remember the movie Hellboy 2? I mean, a little. So, like, that's the whole center of that conflict is between the elves and the humans, or the fairies, or whatever, in the past. And so, somehow, the humans, despite having no magical abilities managed to defeat a group of magic-using elves and fairies. And part of the agreement with, you know, you guys lost this war, we're not going to wipe you out, but you got to leave the surface. Like, you can't make yourself known to the rest of humanity. You, like, you've been banished from the surface. That, that's essentially like the Tuath Duana, or wh- hmm. however that's pronounced. So Interesting. Then he's, he's trying to talk to his kid, and then Artemis is like, when are you going to leave? When are you going to go? I'm sure you've had parents that had to leave you when you were a little kid. And you had, they had to go work someplace else, not necessarily like at a job 10 minutes away. But yeah, yeah. I grew up, I grew up a military brat. Yeah. Same. Well, I would call myself a military brat. You but just, my dad was in the Navy you just and uh, he would he would leave, you know, and he would say, hey, I got to go. I got to be deployed. I got to go to Wherever. the Persian Gulf or the Philippines or whatever. So, I mean, I get it. I get where this kid's coming from. He's pretty angry about it, which makes sense if. I assume he's a single parent because we never see the mom and the way Artemis reacted when she was brought up. There's got to be some issues there. He's like, I I don't necessarily believe in these stories, Dad. I just want to believe in you. You know, I want you to be my father. Take me with you wherever you're going. He's like, I love you, son. Let me just keep you safe for a little while longer. And I thought that was an interesting thing for him to say. Yeah, all parents want to keep their children safe, but a little longer. Like, what... What's going on there? Like, I was intrigued. Yeah. 
Oh, a mystery. Ooh. We're still only 15, 20 minutes in. Like this, we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> he leaves in a helicopter. And then uh, we hear a voiceover of him saying the Irish blessing, which I'm not going to repeat because it takes forever. The next morning, Artemis wakes up because his, I guess, toys or some kind of alarm clock is making a bunch of noise. Then there's a loud and heavy thud. We hear someone talking on the phone. And then we cut to Artemis. What do you think of his room? It was our, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, I thought the, the house was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The house was gorgeous. It's what you'd expect. I just thought it was like... He's got a room, like we should like set the scene a little bit. Like there's this big, huge open entryway, like a hall. And Artemis is on the second floor and his room has windows that lead, that like peer into the hall. And on the other side of the room, you can, he can look outside and look at the ocean. So really jealous of this kid's bedroom. Anyways, the person who was talking, his name is, his real name, well, his name in real life, I should say, is Nonso... A nosy. In this movie, his name is Domovoy Butler. While he is a butler, he doesn't like to be called a butler. Apparently, he'll break your neck if you call him that. I don't like it. Josh Gad says that. I'm not making that up. He says it out loud. Josh yeah. Gad talks about his resume, about how he knows all these <sighs> martial arts, blah, 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 blah. Let's move the plot. This guy was a Game of Thrones. Did you recognize him? No, man. You you bring okay. up Game of Thrones a lot. I don't remember anything. Fair enough. Sorry, I I stopped watching. One of the most partly. he's only one of the most important television shows in the last twenty yeah, years. So I, feel I, free to just no, block I, that out. I just I stopped watching <laughs> partway through season five or six. So I mean, he's in season five. Yeah. Anyways, Artemis is in the kitchen. He's watching TV, and then on the news. Apparently, it has now been revealed that Artemis Fowl Sr. is a criminal mastermind. He's a thief who steals antiquities, national treasures, all sorts of stuff. His yacht was found abandoned in the middle of the ocean last night. And then (laughs) I actually kind of laughed out loud at this because it cuts to a phone ringing. And it's a house phone. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very quaint. I mean. Yeah. They don't have cell phones. Which... Could be because the original plot, the original story, you know, takes place in 2001. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it has been modernized, and you know, it just it yeah. felt well, a bit I mean, weird. I guess rich people would have house phones. Well, I I think that when Domovoy is talking, or like when we first get a a, glen- a glimpse of glimpse, when we first get a glance of this guy, I think he is talking on a cell phone. Is he? Okay, but they don't I use think. them for any plot. Yeah. At all. Well, I mean, who are you gonna, who are you gonna call? you know what i mean yeah it's fine Uh, it's just it was odd to see a 12 year old kid run to a house phone and answer it in a film in 2020 that was set in 2020 am i gonna post on twitter no like is this kid gonna post on twitter like lol the fairies are here hashtag no no, but he keeps he also keeps threatening to expose their existence and how does there's no anyways sorry we're getting way ahead of ourselves yeah (laughs) and then he answers the phone he has, and there's a very raspy voice. I think this, whoever did this voice probably wins the title of raspiest voice yeah. of all time. Boils down to, I have your father. When it's revealed that his father has been kidnapped, Artemis Fowl Jr. has no reaction. None. He just doesn't do anything. This hooded person has this cool handheld device that projects a green light that I guess functions as a phone. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, 
Artemis Fowl Sr., your father, stole something. I want it back. I think she says you got three or four days to get it back. Yeah. You know, classic. I have something you want. You have something I want. Let's make us, you know, let's make an exchange or whatever. Dama Boy is like, you know, I wasn't, we weren't supposed to show you this till you were much older. Your father would actually kill me if I take you here. And he I, essentially takes him to the Batcave. Yeah. They go underneath the the floor down some like a kind of a winding staircase yeah there's 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 a hallway with a big trap door in it that this super genius kid never noticed in his own freaking house yeah never figured out with these big seams yeah yeah but he can clone a goat but he can clone a goat (laughs) he can be rad on a one-wheeled skateboard anyways (laughs) we get another exposition moment where domovoy is just your father's uh, he he never actually says, well, I don't want to say that. I don't think he actually says stole. I think he says your father acquired these items to prevent them from falling into the wrong hands. While, yes, Artemis Fowl Sr. is a thief, it looks like he's stealing things to, I guess, be the guardian of something. We get a big mm. sweeping shot of this entire room. We get a lot of pans, zoom-ins. Artemis is like, we got to find something. We got to look for whatever. He's like, my father used to tell me this every night, the Irish blessing. And he finds a book called the Irish blessing. And that book just happens to be his father's journal. Yeah. He starts reading from his father's journal, which, you know, massive invasion of privacy. Come on, kid. You don't know what your dad's written in this thing. He's about to find out. (laughs) He's reading the last entry. It says, they're chasing me, they'll kill me. And the whole time that Artemis Jr., I think I'm just going to start saying Jr. and Sr. here. Uh, but Jr., is like, fairies can't be real. Fairies aren't real, are they? He says it a whole bunch. Yeah. He's having a hard time believing, but, you know, sure. Like, imagine if you'd spent your 12 years of your life with your father with your father telling you all these fairy tales, but you grow up in the modern age with technology and then all of a sudden you find out that magic is real that'd be kind of a shock to the system yeah we see that i mean it's a common thing yeah anytime there's a modern setting and magic it's this but i don't know and i get it it has to happen i think it's i'm just it's different than what we've compared charmed was different yeah because well there was evidence in their face right away yeah yeah but this kid doesn't have any reaction anyways mulch is talking again josh gad he's like oh fairies are real and he talks about how they were forced to live in the center of the earth. They have a sprawling metropolis called Haven City. And when he says Haven City, he says it like he's answering a question that's going to save his life. Like he's like, Haven City. And I, just, I wrote down that he was very excited about this place. And he's gruff. Very gruff. Almost too gruff. But anyways, yeah. we actually get to Haven City. Um, we get this great sweeping shot, and you talked about it earlier. The special effects in this movie are absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. You don't get this very much, but techno magical is, yeah. is that what you call magic? Magic? Magitech? Magitech? Techno magic? Yeah, it's. I don't know. I wrote down here Either that it one was works very Destiny ish. If you've ever played the first person shooter Destiny in any of its forms, not to the same level of technology, but you know. The idea that using advanced technology, but at the same time running around in armor and a sword and getting treasure. It didn't give you the Santa Claus vibes? No? All right. Well, now that I think about it, you might be... Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. 
Is it just because there's elves and fairies? No, no, I don't. <laughs> you keep saying elves. I don't think there are any elves. Were there elves? Well, I, I, they talk about elves. I don't think they ever Do they? show any. Huh. No, just it's uh, what's well, an underground cavern. Mm-hmm. They got magic and they can heal people, right. but they also have all this high tech gear. It made sense in the Santa Claus because they make toys and technology right. in there. But yeah, this is a setting or you know a, an art style that never really like it probably happened in a probably just talking nonsense, but I have not seen it happen in very many movies and television shows. So you either get magic or you get like future technology and it's rarely merged. Right. I think it did very well. Very cool. And I think that's also a credit to the original setting from Mm -hmm. the book as well. There is a news broadcast in this Haven City, magical underground world, about how it's been two weeks since the the Aculos has gone missing. The Aculos functions as the MacGuffin for this movie. Yeah. It's an object that's been mentioned more than three times in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So MacGuffin, check. We get different shots of the citizens. We get really tall people. We get really short people. We get what appear to be orcs and goblins. And then people who are in bonds. We have a uh, Molt show up. His hands are bound with some, it's a solid bar of metal of some kind with a red light on it that forces him to follow a line of where like he's being led somewhere. And I guess the, the laser in it makes him go a particular direction yeah pretty cool he's like i don't deserve to be here you know i'm a dwarf it's in my nature to dig and steal things and then someone's like you're not a dwarf and he's like yeah i am i'm just a really big dwarf and then there's goblins very spooky looking goblins who kind of gave me some um fifth element vibes like Hmm. the the aliens from fifth element you know talking about yeah i could see that a little little bit. bit yeah and then he meets up with a young female fairy named Officer Holly. He calls her Holly Short. He's like, you got to let me go. You know, I don't deserve any of this. And then she just kind of laughs. As she's walking away, he screams, I love you. And then she kind of laughs and then he gets taken away. We show off his pickpocketing skills yeah. in this scene. He steals her, I guess, her MP3 player. <laughs> no, her Zune. <laughs> yeah, steals her Zune. Then we cut immediately to a shot of a prison. Or we, we, we assume it's a prison because there's bars a person laying on the floor and then his cell door opens and it's the, it's raspy Miss McRasperton from the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah. This guy's name is Cudgeon. They're like, we're giving you a pardon. Commander Root didn't appreciate this, you know, but we ultimately the executors overrode her. They, they overrode her objections. Yes. I, I don't, they don't even talk about what this guy did to get in here. Well, he was court-martialed. Yeah, but for what, you know? But I mean, who hasn't been court-martialed? So, uh, Anyways, uh, es- essentially, she offers him a deal. She's like, you're getting reinstated into your the service, but you have to report to me. And he says, so I spy. Raspy voice person says, you spy or you die. Okay, you know, I'd take spy. <laughs> I don't want to die. Yeah, yeah. We cut to, we're still in Haven City, but we cut to a building called Leprechaun. I don't remember what L-E-P stood for, but Recon. Lower Elements Police. Okay. But yeah, it spells out Leprechaun, which I thought was pretty nifty. It's pretty clever. Yeah, I liked it. We had, there's like, I guess a meeting. Judy Dent shows up, has a very gravelly voice, very rough. He's saying, well, this is Commander Root, the person whose objections were overruled earlier. Yeah. She's talking about the Aculos. She's like, this is the only thing that keeps the peace. We have to find it. Everyone's going to do everything they can to find it. So everyone splits up. 
Holly, Officer Short, says, hey, I have a lead on my father, but I have to go to the Hill of Tara. Commander Root's like, no, you can't go on this mission. They like kind of go off into like another hallway. And this is a trope or a cliche that happens in a lot of movies that involve police officers or investigation agencies where I guess you have the young hotshot person and the, the grizzled old commander or captain or sergeant is like, you know, she because she says like, you're a you're young. You have your whole career ahead of you. Don't take this personally. Don't ruin your career over not being able yeah. to investigate this. Yeah. She's gung-ho about finding out what's going on with her father. We don't we don't know anything about her father. We arrive back in Ireland. Old Mulch Diggins is talking again. He talks about how he had to Domovoy had to bring on some backup, but the only person that he can trust is someone who is as good as his job as he is, who just happens to be his niece. Who is also, and he says that the only the only other person that could figure out the mind of a twelve year old is another twelve year old. I think my eyes almost rolled into the back of my head when that was said out loud. Yeah, into, I'm I'm cringing right now. <laughs> well, so my, I watch this with my, my wife. He- um, my headache is coming back, uh. and uh, <laughs> I watch this with my wife, and every time I groaned, she would just politely remind me that this is a children's movie, and I was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, there's lots of children's movies that aren't cringeworthy. Like, yeah. we talked about Harry Potter. I don't know if it was the last time you saw the original Sorcerer's Stone, but that is not... Yeah. That's not a cringeworthy movie. I mean, there's some right. bad scenes here and there because they're kids acting, but I think from start to finish, I'd, I'd watch Sorcerer's Stone over this movie any day of the week. Yeah. I mean, and there's... Uh, what's another young adult movie I don't remember. besides, uh, you know, The Hunger Games? Yeah. Uh. The Hunger Games, yeah, that that was a bit much. It's uh, not cringeworthy as much as it is. No, just it's not. Not really. No. Yeah. no. Um, anyways, well, I mean, I I compared it to Disney Channel movies. I mean, we could go down that list. Uh, I've never watched very many Disney Channel movies because when I was growing up, we didn't have the Disney Channel. Mm. Uh, when I was growing up, it was like all we had. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally it was literally Disney Channel, or or Star Trek. On Spike TV. That okay, was it. TNN or whatever it was called at the time. Yeah. My wife will talk about Josh and Drake. Also, like, I don't know who that is, but apparently. That's Nickelodeon, but yeah, it's fine. But, I mean, she'll talk about Nickelodeon shows and Disney shows, and I'm just like, I don't understand either yeah, of these no things. Yeah, no idea what's going so, on. Yeah. Anyways, we're at the Hill of Tara, where I guess Holly wanted to go. And they're kind of looking around, and during this time, Artemis is spouting off some more exposition. Uh Okay, great. Anyways, we cut back to Haven City. I guess we're in the headquarters of Leprechaun. Apparently, the reason why, or I guess what, the reason why humans don't find out about fairies is because of a centaur named Foley, spelled F-O-A-L-Y, which is a kind of a funny play on the, the idea that, like, Foley, F-O-L-E, I think is, like, the name of a generic Irish cop in a bunch of different movies and he's a centaur named Foley. Yeah. Right on the nose. I thought it was pretty funny. He reports that there's a breach on the surface, a breach. What does that mean? There is an unknown entity that has somehow managed to get to the surface of earth. Commander roots. Like we got to send somebody. And he says, all leprechaun officers are busy investigating the lower wards or whatever. Holly detective Holly shorts. The only one who can go. Well, when I say that she's the only one who can, she's the only one available, you know. She's standing right there. Yeah. 
It would have been awkward to be like, "Mm, no, let's get someone else. (laughs) So essentially what they're going to do is they're going to send her up to the surface on a magma spike and essentially a giant brass bullet. More flashy effects. Yeah, I actually thought this was probably the coolest part of the movie. It's pretty pretty up there. I, I guess just the way you transport yourself from the center of the earth to the crust of the earth. Like, yeah, that was pretty neat. Cudgeon shows up as a spy is wont to do and stick his nose into other people's business. And he says, uh, you can't send officers short. Her father was a traitor. He stole the Aculos. And so that's why we find out Holly wants to investigate her father's guess, investigate why her father stole the Aculos. Commander Root essentially tells him to shut up and get out of her office or whatever. Holly is shot from the magma spike into a volcano and out of the volcano. Pretty cool. She gets ejected from the thing, and she has wings. And I don't think they're necessarily like her wings, but... No, they're like out of a, like a backpack. Yeah, but they look like... They're a jetpack, but they're fairy wings. Yeah, they look like... Well, I get fairy wings, but they look like insectoid in nature. Like they're thin, clear, and they've got like a... Yeah, like a, Tinkerbell. A lattice. Yeah, Tinkerbell. Like a fairy. Like a fairy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to Artemis and Domovoy talking, and... Domovoy is, he's in camouflage on the hill of Tara and he's got a gun. We cut back to Holly. She's flying around. We get a good shot of her helmet or the inside of her helmet, the first person view. And there's a lot of information happening on the screen. Very Iron Man-esque. Apparently where we're going is a wedding. Man, if you told me in 2000, like in 2008 watching Iron Man, that inside helmet view was amazing. was awesome. If you had told me that everything was going to rip that off for the to the end of time, I would have been I would have been happy with it. Now, twelve years later, I'm like, oh, I'm done. Fair enough. Uh, Has it been? Dang! Wow. Yeah. So yeah. we're at a wedding. There's a little girl walking around, and she steals an ice cream cone, and then she arrives in front of an ogre or a troll. I don't know which one it was at the time. Troll, big old troll. Well, we find out it's a troll, but yeah. we didn't know. It picks her up. And then Holly arrives and she starts fighting this troll. And then Root orders a time freeze on the scene. And what we get is some kind of spinning drone ejected from the ocean. And it flies up and flies over the wedding. And it uh, explodes or uh, not explodes, but like projects out this dome. That inside, I guess they can they can determine what they want to freeze or not because... Everything inside gets frozen except for Holly. Yeah. So. I get the feeling she has like a suit that doesn't freeze. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, maybe they explained it in the books, but like she she doesn't get frozen. A bunch of uh, other fairies arrive and they essentially mind wipe the, the humans like Men in Black. Second MIB reference in this pod. Nice. They retrieve the troll. They string him up and pull him out. The little girl got injured and Holly heals her with magic and in fact... Commander Root tells her, do not heal that human with magic. And I guess she disobeys that order and heals her anyway. So not only do they have advanced technology that all of a sudden to fly and freeze time, but they have magic. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, so mission's complete. And Root says, all right, Holly, I need you to go ahead and come on home. And then she disobeys orders again. Officer Short. Maverick officer. Man, she doesn't play by the rules. She makes her own. She's going to go clear her father's name. Artemis is reading his dad's journal, talking about, you know, we can't let the Aculos fall into Opal's hands. Apparently, this person, Opal, was the best of the fairy people that turned to evil or turned mm. bad. 
I guess, to take revenge on the humans. Typical arch bad guy stuff. Yeah. Holly goes to the Hill of Tara, and she's about to find her father's badge, and then she gets shot by Dom with a train gun. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, just like that. Well, I mean, they shoot at her once, she dodges it, and then they shoot at her again. And manage to knock think, her out did she dodge it, or did he just miss a target that was standing still? Well, I think she hears it. Like, she hears the shot. I mean, I, I thought she just sees it. Oh, I'm not. Okay. I'm not willing to look it up. I don't care. Uh. <laughs> Eventually, Foley is like, hey, you know, we've lost um, tracking on Officer Short. She was the Hilatara. The closest human settlement is a place called Foul Manor. And apparently this causes uh, Commander Root to just launch a full-scale recovery force. Full-scale. Full-scale. Yeah. We cut to a junior and senior talking about fairies and dwarves. Artemis is like, fairies have the ability to mesmerize humans. So in order to prevent them from doing that, you have to wear reflective eyewear. So that's where the shot of him wearing sunglasses and all the different promotional material comes from is him. He, I guess he's trying to blackmail her or coerce her into helping him. He's like, I know everything about you. I know you're looking for, looking for the Aculos. And he says, I formally invite you into my home. You're no, like, you're not allowed to harm me. And so I thought that was interesting. They have to follow certain rules. And is that part of a, I guess that's part of ancient Irish fairy tales that I guess for the, for the same thing with like a, a vampire, they can't come into your home unless you invite them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's yeah. interesting stuff there. Was it at this point when you, when you realized that like this was some big master plan on Junior's behalf? Yeah. The whole bit when the butler listened to him and went and shot somebody <laughs> with his 12 year old niece and said, oh, I hope you have a plan, blah, blah, blah. Way to be the adult in the situation, buddy. Well, I mean... It's Way a, to be the adult. It's his ward, right? I mean, you gotta do what he says. No. No, you don't. <laughs> he's he's, he's a, You're in his employ. Like, you, you can quit. Yeah, and if you're you're employed, right? Uh, and if your employer is like, hey, I'm gonna need you to go uh, on this hill and watch this tree. And if you see anybody fly up to that tree, I'm gonna need you to shoot him with this Trent gun. And they threaten your employment if you don't do it. No, what no, would no, you do? I mean, it's... I don't think he's threatening his employ. Well, that's what you said. He's employed, so he has no, to No, no, no. No, I said he was nah. in his employ. Like, he's his butler. Like, I mean, we, we can talk about how Alfred just enabled Bruce Wayne to become, like, a weird, crazy, psycho yeah. crime fighter. Like, do you want to go down well, that least, rabbit hole? <laughs> I mean, this is the wrong podcast for that. <laughs> but also, I mean, but the, by the time he was a crazy... I'm just saying. Mentally deranged crime fighter, he was also an adult. I'm it's just, a little different. I'm just saying. When you're a butler, like, I, it's something I've never experienced, but, like, I guess there's some myth and romance and tradition around the idea of becoming a sworn man or woman, you know, dedicating your life to the to raising someone else's children, you know, on their behalf because they're so rich and powerful and they can't do it on their own, right? That's why he does what Artemis tells him to do is sure, because sure. he's his butler. I'm not... I'm not trying to get hung up on it. I'm just pointing out that he shot somebody because Artemis asked him to. <laughs> well, I mean, they're fairies. So, they're not real so people. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but he don't know that. <laughs> and not real people. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> Speaking of racist. <laughs> did you notice? So there were other, I don't want to call them creatures, other beings working at Lep- Leprechaun. Okay. But all of the officers were fairies. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's... And the only... Pe- yeah? I don't think that was... 
I, I guess maybe they explain it in the books, but I, I figured the reason why is because they have magic and they're able to do stuff that other fantasy characters can't. I don't know. I guess, but there are no dwarfs in support. There were no goblins in support yeah. or orcs or whatever they're called. Yeah. They were in prison. I don't know. Well, they're diggers. Uh, they dig into they dig. vaults and steal stuff. I don't know. Yeah, all right. Carry on. Artemis is like, this is what's going to happen. Your people are going to come looking for you. And that's part of my plan. Yeah. He's like, they're going to try to cause a time freeze. When that's over, I'm going to expose their existence to the world. And Holly is like, you can't do that. You can't win. Blah, 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 blah. Of course he's going to win. And then we get an interesting shot of Artemis and Dom, I guess, playing around with her equipment. It's like a gun that turns into like this weird laser sword. Not, It's not like a lightsaber, though. I don't know. I thought it was pretty neat. It's a cool little toy. Very Mega Man-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, apparently what they're going to be doing is Root wants to do a time freeze, but she only wants to do a time freeze on the outside of the house, not the inside of the house. She said, she, I want to talk to this human. We get a shot of her flying around. The time freeze happens. And then I actually thought this was my favorite shot of the movie is when these flying yeah. carriers or whatever these vehicles are fly into the time freeze and it distorts around them. Like as it kind of bows or not bows, but distorts inwards and then they land. I thought it was rad. The door the to root is in opens and Judy Dench in a weird... Uh-huh. fitting green jumpsuit with a mask just appears <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah man. my wife and i laughed out loud out loud at this scene like i think she told me that all the bad stuff she had to put up with was worth it just for this scene <laughs> just for this shot <laughs> man dom and artemis walk out the front door wearing suits they use the weapons to fight off the fairies and then I thought that was the coolest. The little fight scene there was pretty cool. He was suddenly an expert with this weapon he's never seen before. But barring that, they've already established him as some sort of super genius. Yeah. Whatever. It was uh, It was a really cool scene. And the, uh, Artemis tells Dom, he says, um, he says, take out the time freeze. And then he converts this object into whatever it is into like a bow. This red yeah. bow and shoots an uh, because energy arrow directly at the device causing the time freeze and destabilizes it yeah cool and then we cut to opal talking to a senior he's like well i guess your son's got a plan uh, and the, essentially opal does what all crazy mono evil geniuses you know like big bads yeah they just you humans defeated by people and then you reduced us to stories Ugh. that's your motivation that you're a bedtime story now okay get over it bro (laughs) like come on there's a knock on the door roots like i'm here to negotiate they sit down at a table she's like you know you you fouls have been giving us trouble for the fouls have been giving fairies trouble for centuries i want to talk to who's in charge and artemis is like i am in charge she's like you're 12 years old well they do that classic we were 10 years old i'm 12 like (laughs) i'll be i'll be telling you 12 year old kid yeah. yeah, you're 10. I don't care. It's the same. <laughs> Shove off, man. Uh, so Artemis says, uh, I want the Aculos. And Root's like, well, uh, I'll blow this house up and kill everyone in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, a, 
to a 12-year-old. Yeah, or 10-year-old, yeah. 10-year-old, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Artemis Sorry. essentially mm-hmm. says, you can't harm me as long as I'm alive in this house. And I thought like, Commander Root, she was like, alive. It just kind of, that was the end of their negotiation. I thought it was kind of, it's kind of a boss move. Like, yeah. Yeah. As long as you're alive, we can't hurt anyone in this house. It's like, okay. So she leaves. She's like, he knows that fairies can't enter this house, but a dwarf can. Ah. We cut to Mulch being, he's listening to Foreigner <laughs> very loudly, I guess annoying his cellmates. And then the gob- one of the goblins asks him what he's looking at, and he's like, oh, I was looking at those those mirrors because I can't look into your soul. And like, They're just mocking this dude. Apparently goblins can breathe fire. And they're completely fireproof, but dwarves don't like fire in this fantasy setting. I guess they burn. I mean, everything burns except goblins, apparently. And they're about to get into this fight. And then he, the goblin, like, makes a move on him. But then he grabs his nostrils and closes them and then shuts his mouth as soon, like, as he's breathing in this fire. And he says, I wonder if your insides are fireproof, too. There's a big fireball explosion. They pull mulch out. We cut back to Artemis and Holly. So, I'm what did I'm sorry. So that scene did what? I guess establish that he eats dirt. I mean, do they? Oh yeah, that's right. I did. We did kind of skip over that. He says that he's a digger and he's supposed to dig. And then the goblin says, "Well, as long as no one's standing behind you, huh?" And then they laugh. Right. So it's just this. Is scene is I guess like an example of them not doing just plain exposition. They're actually telling us something. Yeah. Like through we, the characters' interactions. Yeah. We get some development, however short, you know, we had to cut back to Artemis talking again. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. He he and Holly, they're talking, and then he's like, can I trust you? And he takes off his sunglasses, and she doesn't immediately mesmerize him, which is, you know, I guess, that happens a lot where in this movie where he's like, I have to trust you, so he takes off his shades. He's like, my dad knew a fairy named Beechwood. And then she's like, my dad's name was Beechwood. <laughs> well, he doesn't he say my dad knew a fairy called Beechwood Short? Like, he says the full name. Yeah. He knows her name and never put two and two together? Well, or is this him trying to... No, I think he knew... I think this is all part of his manipulation, where he know Like, because they, they talk about how he... Like, when they call for the dwarf, Moltz Dickens' voiceover says, like, he knew what their next step would be. So... yeah. He finds out that he captures Holly Short, and then he realizes that Holly Short is related to Beechwood Short. So he's manipulating this because he's a really smart criminal mastermind who just happens to be twelve years old. He like he like he's not manipulating her as much as he's manipulating the situation. Now he has leverage, and he so he's like, if you get me the Oculus, we can clear your dad's name. That's why she joins his side. And because she says my dad stole the Oculus to prevent it from falling into the wrong hands. Mm. So she's 12, but she's 84. Her character's 84, but she acts like a 12 year old. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's carry on. So Root offers Mulch 50 years off his sentence. And there's like a weird interplay. This is what I was talking about earlier, where he, he makes a joke about their gravelly voices. And then she goes, He also says Judy Dench kind of looks like David Bowie. Not wrong. Yeah. He wants more. He wants 75 years off his sentence. A hundred. 
Oh, that's right. He wants a hundred, and they said so they end up at seventy-four in a cell with no goblins. So they have a little negotiation. Well, did you you skip by the bit? No, on there. Carry on. No, what was what bit? Tell me, tell me, the, tell me. Tell the me. bit about David Bowie. Well, no, he says you look like David Bowie. Was if he David Bowie was a fairy? Yeah, and he says. So I guess he? you just look like David Bowie. And then he says, Do "You think they'll ever find out that he was one of us?" <laughs> oh, I didn't hear him say that. Okay, I thought yeah. he asked. Was he one of us? Okay. No, he says, do you think the humans ever find out or they'll ever find out? Yeah, so. And I he mean, was the Goblin King. Cute, but also low-hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> as far as jokes go. Yeah. This is the, actually. <sighs> this part coming, the, the part we're going to talk about is the dumbest part of this movie. The dumbest, in which Josh Gad reaches into his mouth, distends and opens up his jaw yeah. with terrible effects. Yeah. And then starts digging into the earth with his mouth, and then the dirt comes out of his butt. Yeah. Straight from the novel, if, I, if I'm I'm going to give you 30 correct. seconds on this one, so go ahead. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's very different. The whole bit about digging, they dig. That's what they do. And you know, typically dwarves dig with their little mining picks, you know, a la Snow White and whatnot. So this is just a more, this is just to make them more than just short humans, you know? It's something that really differentiates them. I hated everything about it. Yeah, I know you did. So. I knew you would right away. <laughs> I didn't like everything about it. It was just, all right, cool. They did something different. I'm happy with it. Just like the wings weren't real wings, but were technology. Things like that, sure. you know? He bursts through the house. He... Tears through what probably is some very expensive, very yeah. old painting. He just ruins it. So before they actually let him go into the house, they I guess they stick a camera on his eye. And so everyone's watching what he's doing. And I, I assume that he's supposed to be looking for Officer Short and the human, but he gets distracted because I guess he smells treasure. Yeah. And then he finds a safe. And he starts to open it. And then Artemis actually says out loud, right on schedule. Uh, or something to that effect. He's like, you know, this is all happening according to plan. And then he lets Holly out of the cage. And then she immediately punches him in the face. Yeah. Cool. We cut back to Mulch. He actually manages to kind of... Well, he opens the safe. And he's, he's reaching in like an iris closes around it. And then his beard becomes alive and starts unlocking the rest of the scene. Oh, you get hair coming out of his nose and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Less cool. Interesting. Yeah. Different. Anyways, he opens this second safe, or the second part of the safe, and uh, he finds the Aculos. Artemis arrives, and so does Officer yeah. Holly, and he, he goes what'd to. You, uh, what'd you think of the look of that? Aculos, whatever. The Aculos? The, yeah, that thing. I thought it looked like a Fabergé egg. It's an acorn. Is it's it? It's an upside down acorn, yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Which I guess is, it kind of looks like an egg. I see that. It, yeah, I guess you would consider it an upside-down acorn. It's got um, parts of it move. Like its its outer area rises and falls and kind of shifts around. Like it's a, in perpetual motion. It's not a solid... It's not like a solid gold object. It's It appears to have some sort of motion. Yeah, it's got some energy inside of it of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Artemis goes to reach for it, and he's like, the fairies can't know that we have this. And then Mulch is like, well... And then he points to his eye, and he's like, they already do, fam. They already do. Did did he just, like, turn coat right away? 
they just immediately trust this guy. They locked up the fairy for however long, but the dwarf comes in. They're like, oh yeah, ignore him. He's no threat. What I what I assumed what happened is, because in this very next moment, Cudgeon, he's, he's reporting with Opal, and she's like, you intervene now, or you're dead, essentially. He starts, a, like, he essentially takes over the operation. It's a coup. Yeah. And then... A little bit of a coup. What I, what I thought happens is Mulch figures out that he was only used to get inside the house. And since they're now going to use the troll, because, I mean, I assume that he can communicate with the, the fairies on the outside. Are we doing that thing again where we try to, like, create scenes that didn't happen in order to... Make I mean, the movie makes sense in my head. Yes, this is what I'm doing. Okay, that, all right. And so once they, essentially, what Cudgeon is going to do is he's going to, he, I guess he feeds this troll hornet juice or something that makes him twice as strong and ten times as mad, and he's allergic to it. I don't know. So I guess th- th- when they do this, because they don't go in and try to rescue them, they're just releasing a troll on them. So I guess that he realizes that he's gonna die i don't know yeah that or he just you know he actually was he's just i mean he's a criminal i guess he sees what it is that they have maybe they have a quick moment of they just the they cut the scene where they re (laughs) they did exposition that they'd already done i guess yeah to bring him up to speed yeah i mean this is like uh like in firefly when jane switches sides just not done as well which time (laughs) oh the first time yeah okay okay so they they're actually using the troll's head as a battering ram i thought this was very clever yeah it's pretty cool and they eventually shoot him into the house and this troll just makes an awful ruckus i have on here that this scene is a disaster in more ways than one we just talked about how great the action scene was when they were fighting off the fairies and we go from a very cool and interesting fight sequence to a lot of people like unathletically jumping around. Well, and... he has that. Artemis has that gun thing. He doesn't shoot it. Well, he does. For the next eventually, he yeah. shoots it eventually. <laughs> but he's just like aiming at it. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I don't know. Holly What's is happening. She's stuck in a chandelier. Apparently, she can't retract her wings and get out of this chandelier. That's these bars. Yeah. They like hit the troll with a bull couch. Like it's a couch yeah, that's, in the shape of a, a bull. A bull couch. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Anyways, eventually Artemis does shoot this troll, but I, I guess the shots don't do anything. But I mean, it is it twice as strong and ten yeah. times as angry. So seems to hurt it a little bit, but not enough. You tell me, there's no other weapons in this rich person's house. This international criminal doesn't have any weapons in his home at all. I'm not saying they have to be brandishing guns everywhere, whatever. But like, there's nothing. They have nothing. We talk about how Dom is this master martial artist and all he does, like, I mean, he is fighting a troll, (laughs) but he doesn't. And he was awesome in the scene before. He doesn't do anything. That's what I meant by the scene is a disaster. Like, yeah, we should just move on before I get upset. Anyways, (laughs) essentially, the troll gets his foot stuck in the chandelier. Artemis, the 12 year old genius criminal mastermind, decides he's going to run directly underneath this troll and point a gun at its head. And then Mm -hmm. the weight of the troll and all the damage that has happened to the chandelier actually causes it to rip from the ceiling. And Domovoy pushes Artemis out of the way as the troll falls on his body. And I also assume snaps the troll's neck because it never moves again. 
like on its own. Uh, very violent. It doesn't look good for old Zama Boy. No. They pull him into a room. He's got some labored, labored breathing. Artemis starts reading the Iris Blessing to him. We, we didn't even talk about it, but I, when they release the troll into the house, they do something which prevents any magic from being used. And they actually say out loud, like, well, all Officer Short might need to use her magic to protect herself. And Kudjan's like, you know, she's a traitor. Her dad's a traitor. She's a traitor. They restore magic to the house. Holly saves Dom's life, which is, I actually felt was very, very disappointing. You had a chance for like a, like an actual, like meaningful moment. This kid is reading the Irish blessing to his butler. It's very, it's a very sad and very poignant scene. And then within seconds, he's alive. I don't know. I didn't like it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And it's all fake out because she would have healed him right away. It wasn't like she was refusing to or, right. or what have you, or there was anything else. It was literally just nothing. It, it didn't need to happen. It was nothing. Yeah. Maybe this scene happens in the book and that's where they pulled it from. Who knows? It's, it's nothing. It's pointless. It, it, pointless. Exactly. We cut back to Mulch. He swallowed the Aculos in the middle of the fight. And they ask him, like, do you still have the Oculus? And he, like, rips his shirt open and you can see it pulsing underneath his chest. And at this point, the time freeze is becoming completely destabilized. It's failing. Holly and Mulch run out of the house. I don't necessarily understand the point of this as they leave. I thought that, I thought the, the action was great. Like, all the stuff yeah. moving out, being thrown in and out of the time distortion or temporal distortion, whatever it is. And they make like a big deal about it. It's going to blow. It's going to blow. And then when it actually does finally destabilize, nothing happens. Well, it, it, we move forward a day or two or something like that. I don't know. But it like, well, because like, it shows the sun rise and set a yeah, few times. But yeah. like, like, I was under the impression that there was going to be this massive explosion that was going to cause right. destruction. Right. No, absolutely. And then lack, but this was, this was a lackluster. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> There's no, no payoff. Artie Jr is going to use the Aculos to get his dad. They're like, no, you can't use it because you're a human. You'll die. And then Holly's like, I'll do it. I'm, a, I'm not a human. I'm a fairy. I'll use my magic to control the Aculos and I'll get your dad back. Opal, uh, yeah, the raspy person, is like, your time's up. Your kid failed you. You got to die. And so he's casting a spell in like this weird, creeping, black, spiky, gelatinous thing starts to close in around Artemis Sr. This whole time, Holly is casting a spell with the Aculos. The spell completes, and it's a big... Same thing with the time dist- the, t- the time freeze or whatever. Like, it's a big... I don't want to say song and dance, but there's a lot of effects happening, and then mm-hmm. nothing. Like, nothing... Ab- absolutely nothing happens when she's done. There is a small, like... It looks like the outside of the house, like the material changes... But we don't, like, Artemis Sr. isn't there with them. And so Artemis runs around. He's looking for his dad. Can't find him. I actually thought this shot was pretty cool because it looked like one continuous shot of him running through the house looking for his pop. Yeah. And then Holly's like, I'm sorry, we couldn't save him. They look down in the vault, and there he is. And we cut to Opal doing, No! Senior meets Holly. Senior's like, Beechwood brought me the Aculos to protect it. He knew it was in danger. Which I guess was what everyone has been trying to tell the fairies this entire time is, we took it to protect you. 
But I guess no one gets that or understands or appreciates it. Like I say it a lot, and it's just there's no effect. Like, but I mean, eh, to the fairies, the humans are a bunch of lying land stealers. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, to to humans, humans yeah. are just a bunch of lying land stealers. Regardless of who, they're, it checks out. It checks yeah, out. Regardless of who their opponent is, he hands Holly. He it looked like he handed her one of those like you remember in like elementary school or junior high like those paper yeah. things that yeah. girls would or children would use like to pick names and numbers and whatever. He hands that to her and he's like, this is a list of Opal's known associates, everyone who's involved in the scandal. Then Holly disappears with the Aculose slash MacGuffin and then she gives it to Root. Root pulls her aside and says, hey, you know, if you get your stuff together, you might actually become a decent officer. (laughs) Like, congratulations. Thanks for saving our world. Uh, I think you'll do okay if you can just get your stuff straight. Yeah. Like, so okay. did they steal it from them to protect them and then give it back to them? So like right away? Like I think what, because I guess this happens over a period of two weeks where Beechwood Short steals the Aculos and contacts Artemis Sr. Because he talks about how my dad knew a fairy. He didn't say my dad just met a fairy. He said my dad knows a fairy named or knew a fairy named Beechwood. So I guess they've talked to each other before, like maybe helped him do some of his criminal stuff or whatever. And so two weeks ago, he stole the Aculos to prevent Opal from getting their hands on it and then was killed after giving it to Artemis Sr. Yeah. And then Artemis Sr. knows that Opal knows that he has the Aculos. So he leaves, yeah. intentionally gets kidnapped, and then yeah, I'm guessing that's what happened. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, they give they they we steal should, something and give it right back. We should change our our podcast name to Apologetics because all we do <laughs> like we just defend. I'm not defending it. storytelling. I'm no, I'm not defending. And come it. up with come up with fake reasons why it all makes sense. I mean all that right. that might have been what actually happened in the book, but you are. Mm. 100 percent correct in the flow and plot of this movie it makes no no sense sense (laughs) oh my goodness so root tells holly you're the lead on this one i want you to investigate every name on that list you know you're gonna clear your father's name she walks into a room there's like a clap everyone says yay and then we cut back to the foul manor she gives like the worst salute I've seen. And it's okay because everyone else is just as bad. Uh, was it actually like a hand to temple salute? Well, it was a hand to f- place across my forehead salute. Was it really? Now I like have American to style. Yeah. Well, I would say the because you know in Britain they their palm up. Out oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was the American style of palm straight or kind of angled down. Okay, but it was. The wrist was cr- anyway so i mean but it, then again you know who knows maybe that's why they do it in the lower elements <laughs> the lower elements recon anyways i thought the name was oh, come on man leprechaun is probably the most clever yeah thing no, they got I, that was pretty good we talked we talked about it i thought it was great yeah that's fantastic we cut back to the foul manor we hear junior talking to senior and he says you think i'm ready uh senior's like oh i know you're ready no, he doesn't say it like that. But, I mean, it's essentially the same conversation. He's like, I know you're ready. And then we cut to Senior getting into a helicopter. And then 
Jr. walking to the helicopter while putting his sunglasses on, and he says, I'm Artemis Fowl. I'm a criminal mastermind. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, they okay. leave on that helicopter. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, we cut to Mulch. He's essentially being offered a deal. They're like, you flip on the fouls, we'll let you out of here. And he's like... Why would I flip on them? They protect the balance. They're out here trying to protect you humans. And then he leans back and like shows his ears. And you see like the pointy fairy ear. He opens his big mouth and pulls out a tracking device. And then there's a jailbreak. And then um, the team is all back together. And they're like, let's get to work. And then the movie ends. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> so I don't have anything. I don't think I have anything to add as far as the movie itself. I think we've established we didn't care for it. We've broken down the plot. I mean, do you have anything to add in your thoughts? Any final thoughts for this? Uh, I guess it's a film. <sighs> this this quote unquote movie. This piece of art that Disney spent 125 million dollars on. <laughs> Did you notice that Artemis, or excuse me, Junior's age seemed to fluctuate? Oh, I mean, I'm sure this thing was filmed over, like, a year. A couple. Yeah. Well, it was reshot, because it was originally, yeah. Oh. There was there were, there were kind of extensive reshoots. I mean, Colin Farrell wasn't even in the original trailer, I guess. He, he was announced this year as being part of the film. Oh. Uh, he filmed it all in three days. Yeah, so there's reshoots. So anything with Colin Farrell, the, the kid is older okay. than when he did everything else. And, of course, Colin Farrell is sporadically throughout the movie, so. Okay. Uh, no, it's just, I didn't know if you noticed it. Nope. I didn't notice it right away. Oh. Nope. Okay. Any final thoughts before I tell you about the book? I do know there was some whitewashing, apparently. Was there? Yeah, apparently Officer Short, the character in the book, is supposed to have the dark nut brown skin of a coffee complexion. Really? Mm-hmm. And Domovoy Butler is supposed to be a character des- described as Eurasian who can pass as Japanese and Russian in the book series. Well, that's not... <laughs> that isn't the strictest definition of whitewashing. There's also some gender bending. Commander Root is a dude in the uh oh. is a man in the uh in the, okay. in the show. Yeah. Or in the book, excuse me. I want to tell you so we've seen the movie. Let me tell you the premise for the first novel. Okay. So the the movie does take elements from the second novel and crams them in there, similar to what they did with the Percy Jackson movies. Uh let's see, I'm just reading from Wikipedia. Uh, it is described by its author as die hard with fairies, quote, quote. It follows the adventures of Artemis Fowl, a 12-year-old criminal mastermind, as he kidnaps a fairy, the Holly Short, for a large ransom of gold. So the first book, he's a long, he's a criminal mastermind, a villain, and a long line of criminals in his family. And he uses his extreme intellect to discover that the fairy world exists. And he uses that information to kidnap a fairy so he, he so that he can get gold. Okay. That's it. That is his his father is not in the the book. Like his in the mother's first in the one book. or at all. Yeah, so he's kidnapped by the mafia in the second book. It just turned out that he has been kidnapped by the mafia, but in the first book you assume he's dead. The MacGuffin doesn't exist in any of the books. They just made it up. But no, but seriously, like 
he was written, I guess a lot of people compare him as a 12-year-old version of a Bond villain. Um, he slowly turns good over these long series of books, or at least not good, but because uh, he's still a criminal, but... He's an anti-hero. Less, less, guess, yeah. yeah, he becomes more of an anti-hero, less selfish, right? Which sounds way more interesting than yeah. what we got. They couldn't make him the main character in a, in a movie, I guess, geared for kids. They needed him to be relatable and whatnot. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And I guess at the end of the book, he uses some of the gold that he got to... Or to gives it back to them or something along those lines to, to help cure his mother uh she's insane oh like she's been driven and I, in the book or in the movie she, she's dead so there's no right hmm he like I gives think... back half the gold for that so but like that's a lot i don't know what do you think i think that would have been 100 percent a better movie <laughs> like i mean yeah. just, just like just the premise in and of itself is a 12 year old bond villain who instead of engaging you know, Her Majesty's Secret Service, in fact, decides to go to war with fairies. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big long... I mean, he's scheming in the... in the, And that's why at the end of the, the movie, he says he's a criminal mastermind. And I wonder at what point in filming that voiceover was recorded. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's less of a book adaptation is more of a... Like reimagining, like a soft exactly. reboot of, of the It does. Characters. It's more of a soft reboot of everything yeah. as opposed to. Yeah. 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 Uh, when I just, when I read the description for the novel or why, how it was like the number one thing everyone says is different is the main character. So I was like, okay, let's, well, how's the main character different? And I was like, oh yeah, that would have been a lot more interesting. <laughs> it's different in every single way. Yeah. Because he's, he's super, 12. super smart. And yeah. it makes sense that if you're that smart and you're 12, you haven't learned empathy not correctly most likely yeah. i should say so it makes sense i mean all i mean i say it makes sense it's a little bit more believable i should say i got you I'm no i thought it was up. i thought it was pretty cool yeah i, I thought definitely... it sounds i might i might go back and i'm not <laughs> how dare you sir i mean i definitely would have preferred that to what we got so what yeah, do you do for sure i mean ultimately when we talk about <sighs> this podcast after we talk about the movie and then we break down what you could consider a plot for some of these things and then we ultimately decide did we like the movie did you like this movie no i didn't like this movie i didn't like it either i like some of the world building in it it's very interesting Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i don't want to say i'd watch a sequel but anything else based on this source material i would definitely be interested in seeing what what would you think if that in a year maybe even less than that like eight months Disney comes out and says, you know, hey, we didn't do a very good job with Artemis Fowl. So what we're going to do instead is make it premiere television. But we're essentially kind of give it the the Game of Thrones treatment. What they're going to do is essentially turn this into a series of like four or five different seasons of eight episodes. And the episodes actually cover a book from start to finish. Hmm. Would you prefer that? In general, I'm a bigger fan of... of- television than i am film right when it comes especially when it comes to adapting well because you have material you have you have more opportunity more to do yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah no i agree with that i don't think that they will they're they're not gonna well i didn't ask Uh, that question i asked would you like that more if they did that if instead of a movie they had just made a like if they, they released if they did that TV. at this point I would watch it but I, that's I'm only only now I'm only saying that because I have seen this movie and looked right. into uh, the book if they had just done it as a television show to begin with I would never 
I probably never would have seen it. Sure. You know? So unless we somehow watched it for this. Yeah. And again, neither of us knew anything about this. Anything. We didn't know. I didn't know it was existed until I happened to I read a pop culture website called theringer.com. Shout out. And it was like Artemis Fowl, a film that misses its mark or something to that effect. And I was like, what the heck is that? And I just clicked on it and it started talking about how this movie was this big Disney blockbuster that didn't follow the source material or whatever. And I immediately stopped reading and I texted you, I think like that day. And I was like, hey, I found our next movie to watch. Is this movie 10% rotten? No. No. Does it deserve a four out of 10 on IMDb? No, yeah. maybe four and a half, maybe five. I'd call it a five, maybe, maybe, because it doesn't just it just doesn't do anything, right? Does it deserve a thirty-one percent Metacritic score? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Is there anything else you want to add? To this? <laughs> do you want to talk yeah. about anything else? In typical sci-fi wise guys fashion, I've done said too much. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about how this movie was meant to be released in, in uh oh in the of theaters. course yeah so we are recording this on 6 17 of 2020 this movie was supposed to be released in theaters but unfortunately due to the covid19 slash coronavirus pandemic i don't think movie theaters are ever going to open again <laughs> yeah so this movie went from being a big to do it was supposed to have like a hollywood release and instead uh it's a yeah straight yeah to- do you, do you think that helps it or hurts it? Well, I don't know how streaming services make money. Well, I know exactly how they make money. <laughs> you, I'm pretty sure I paid for it. So, but I know. what yeah. I I don't know how they like make money. What determines other than views how a mo- how things are successful? Because since Disney yeah. owns Disney Plus, they can't charge anyone to watch their they can't charge anyone to stream this so well they could but well, they're different business but their business model is very much the netflix yeah so business model but yeah. what i'm saying well, is yeah i i definitely think it helped but i mean maybe they missed out on some of that box office ticket money i don't know yeah it's hard to say yeah it's hard but, to say i was then, just i'm very curious well because if it if it had done well we might have got more big movies coming up on sure on disney plus as opposed to them releasing it i'm just curious yeah that was another episode of the b-roll podcast if you liked what you heard and for whatever reason somehow managed to make it through artemis foul please like share review our podcast you know on whatever your preferred podcasting platform is is you can also feel free to email us at the sci-fi wise guys at gmail.com you can also hit us up on twitter twitter.com backslash underscore role podcast and we have a patreon whose name i never remember which i'm sure you have queued up and ready to go sure it's patreon.com slash b underscore role and uh, you forgot the name of our podcast in the middle of a social media plug yeah 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 anyways consummate professionals <laughs> that's what we are and uh we should just go ahead and say that you know if you do decide to become patrons on our patreon uh all of the money donated will go directly into making this podcast better. And if you hated the podcast, share it with people you hate. Yeah. We appreciate it. <laughs> because because <laughs> everyone deserves to listen to this. Oh, man. I am one of your hosts, Chris. I'm the other host, Anthony. Like, you won't see us next time, but maybe you'll hear us next time. 
Thanks for listening. Hold on, hold on. But before I before I say something very stupid, let me look it up. <clears throat> How much money did Rise of Skywalker make? One point zero seven billion dollars, and that is, I think, the worst, if not the, but second worst reviewed Star Wars movie. What um, the second worst reviewed? I think so. What's the first? Uh, Phantom Menace. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> so I forgot. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. I, no, I forgot about it. You are forgetting. I don't even rewatch it when I rewatch um, it. I just hurt so see. many feelings. I'm so sorry. So, so we'll cut, we'll cut that.